Bless the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Genesis 45. We have been studying Genesis and specifically lately the book of Genesis, uh, the story of Joseph. We had started Genesis a while back and then we took a break and came back to Joseph. And we're, we're coming at the, so the crescendo of the story of Joseph and um, this is a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, place in Scripture, and and uh, just a little background. Uh, Genesis forty-five. Joseph has just revealed himself to his brothers. So let's let's do a long story short. Joseph was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, and his brothers told Dad Jacob, "Your son must be dead." We found this tunic covered with blood. Is this your son's? And Jacob tears his clothes and begins mourning. Little did Jacob know that the brothers had actually sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph was faithful to God. 22 years have passed since that day. They are in the midst of a famine. Joseph, by, by, by God's grace, was given dreams where he was telling Pharaoh in Egypt there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So prepare for that time. And Joseph is put in charge of all Egypt. He's basically second in command. He's the prime minister just underneath Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, you have in charge of the whole thing. And Joseph, of course, sees his brothers coming. It's two years into the famine. Seven years of plenty have been great. The brothers come second year into the famine, five years left, and they come wanting to buy grain and food. And of course, Joseph recognizes his brothers. He hasn't seen these guys in 20 some odd years. And he's got to find out, are these the same turkeys that sold me into slavery? Have they changed? What's going on back home? Is dad alive? Would you do the same thing again if put in another, with your, another brother as you did with me? And so he tests them to find out what's going on. And during the testing, the brothers know that God's hand is like <laughs> pressing the pressure. And they realize as they say, God has found out our sin. We are guilty concerning our brother. We, 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 we ignored him when he cried out from the pit. No, guys, no, don't do this. And for 20-some years, that has haunted them. And for 20-some years, they had kept it as a lie from their dad. And now it's all coming to the it's all coming to the surface. You know sometimes when God brings that thing, you just can't prevent that. And they're now finally confessing to one another and to Joseph, not realizing that Joseph is the man that has been in command. He's been treating them harshly, the testing. He's testing to find out. And he finally confesses. And finally Joseph, of course he can't take it because Joseph loves his family. He has to break out and weep and compose himself and come back and put on a face. But deep down, he so wants to be back with his family. Finally, in chapter 45, he says, guys, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. He says, my father, well, what's, what's going on here? And finally, Joseph says, listen, go get dad. Look at, verse, look at chapter 45. My, my, my scripture is going to be from verse 16, so, but it's been a couple weeks since we were doing a sidetrack thing. Look at chapter 45. He says to uh, verse 3, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Verse 4, please come near me. I am Joseph, your brother. Verse, uh, verse five, that was verse 4. Verse 5, 
Don't be angry or grieved with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me here to preserve life. Verse 9, hurry up, go to my father, say to him, your son Joseph is alive. He is, God has set him as Lord over all Egypt and come down to me and do not delay. And you'll live in the land of Goshen and you'll, you'll be with me, you and your children, your children. Everyone's come down, I will provide for you. Joseph is telling his brothers who are dumbstruck as, as to what's going on, guys, I am Joseph. Now we're going to start in verse 16 because now we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go back to verse 16 and we'll see what happens next. Verse 16, now the news was heard. What news? The news that Joseph just revealed to himself to his brothers, that he's invited the whole family down. Uh, that's good news. The news was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come and it was good in the sight of, of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beast, and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones, for your wives, and bring your father and come. Now do not concern yourselves with your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. And to each of them he gave them changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave him 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. Now to his father he sent as follows, Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, Do not be stirred up, or don't argue on the journey. Then they went up from Egypt, and they came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, saying, Joseph is alive. And indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But his heart was stunned, for he did not believe them. Yet they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and he saw the wagons that Joseph had carried to him. Then the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, it is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Wow. Now this is getting, look at the next chapter is the part where they reunite and I, and I just lose it. You know, there's kind of this ball out because it's been 20 some odd years. But now Jacob is hearing for the first time your son Joseph is alive. Come on now. He doesn't believe it. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. I, I just got to go through. I'm going to break this down in three sections, okay? First section, from verse 16 to verse 20, is this promise of a place to live. Because Pharaoh has just heard that Joe and his brothers have reconciled. He's heard the news. Look at verse 16. He heard the news that Pharaoh's house, that, 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 that they've reconciled, and it says it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. That word please, it means it's, be, it's a good quality. It means to be desirable. It's satisfying. 
Pharaoh must have greatly admired Joseph. Pharaoh must have respected Joseph. I mean, the man just saved all of Egypt, right? Used by God to save Egypt. Joseph, of course, had represented the Lord to them, the kindness of the Lord. So sometimes God will place his people in the midst of non-believers to be a blessing to them. See, sometimes we want to go and hibernate and, and kind of form communes. But God says, no, go out into the world. Be light in the world. You're light in the dark world. And sometimes God will use um, his, his children to do that. In fact, what Joseph does anticipates what Israel was supposed to be. That is to be a light to the Gentiles. And if Israel was following the Lord, they would have done that. It also affects, it reflects what Christ tells us as believers. You are in the world, but not of the world. You are the light of the world, and, and, and you're not to go and hide yourself. Like a city on a hill is not hidden. You're just supposed to stick out. And by the way, you, you do stick out. If you're a believer in Christ, the people in the world know it. I, I, they, they know it because it, it, there's something that comes. I can't, I can't explain it. But God said, Jesus says, let that light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father. And Joseph fit the bill for that. And Joseph, as you know in the story, he's always pointed the way to God. When the, the, the cupbearer and the baker had dreams, and they were distraught over it, and he said, don't interpretations belong to God? And when Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had these, these dreams about what's going to happen, and he says, I've heard you can interpret dreams, and, God, and Joseph said, no, I can't, but there is a God who can. And God has shown you the future, Pharaoh. And so Joseph was that person, and so Pharaoh, I think, highly respected him. But look at, I want you to notice the generosity of Pharaoh. Look what he says here in verse 18. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. Look at verse 20. Don't concern yourselves with your goods, for the best of all the land is given to you. Pharaoh is being very generous. Hey, go get your family and come, and I'll give you a place for you to dwell. Right now, Canaan is, a, is full of famine. It's full of drought. It's full, it's not, nothing's growing. But come to Egypt so you can bring your flocks and you can grow and flourish. You have a place for you to live. I think Pharaoh's promise of a place pictures what Jesus Christ says to the believers. Amen? I have a place for you, he says. He says in John 14, I have my father's house has many dwelling places. And if it weren't so, I would have told you, but I am going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Joseph and his family had a place in Egypt, but Jesus Christ has prepared a place for the believer that flourishes, right? Where there's life, where things grow, where there's no death in heaven. Amen? That's a place that we look forward to. That's promised to us as believers in Jesus Christ. Now why is Pharaoh being so generous? Before, it's interesting, before, the scripture says that Egyptians don't even, can't even eat with the, the Hebrews. They don't associate with the Hebrews. They separate, you know? But now why is he invited? Why is Pharaoh now opening up the best of the land to them? Well, obviously the answer is obvious because of Joseph. Amen? Pharaoh is saying, because of Joseph, I'm opening this up for you. Because of Joseph, what he's done, you get to be blessed. 
And there's going to be sixty. It's going to be seventy in total. Sixty-six from Canaan plus Joseph and his wife and two kids. So seventy. That's a whole lot of people coming down. But I'm going to bless you with the best of the land. Why? Because of Joseph, what he's done, and your relationship to him. Now, pictures, of course, the generosity of of, of God the Father of Jesus Christ. The believers are we are blessed because of Jesus Christ. We have blessings from God because of what Jesus Christ has done. We don't deserve any blessing on our own, amen? Paul says that he has given believers every spiritual blessings in Christ, Ephesians 1. Think about that. That's all because of Christ. Because of what Christ has done, we have every spiritual blessing. Because if Christ was faithful, we get the benefit. That's a, I don't know about you, but that's a great deal. <laughs> I'm with Jesus. I didn't do anything to deserve us, but I'm going to tag along and be with Jesus, right? He's prepared a place for me, and it's all because of Christ. It's interesting how generous he is. Hey, look at this. Look at verse um, uh, uh, 18 and 20 again. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. See verse 18? The best of the land of Egypt, and then you will eat of the fat of the land. He's not giving them like the scraps. He's not giving them. He's giving them the most lush place, the land of Goshen, and the fair the land. That's the best of of the products of the harvest. You're going to come and you're going to you're going to have your your sheep and your goats and you're going to flourish. You're going to have fruit and vegetables and all that kind of stuff because I'm because of jo- because of Joseph. And don't concern yourself, verse twenty, with your goods. By the way, what you got from Canaan is not going to measure up to what's been provided for you in this place. And I don't know if that's a picture of heaven. <laughs> how many of you guys are going to heaven packed with suitcases? How many of you guys like to go on trips? You ever notice when you go on a trip, you overpack? You know how it is? You always bring out the outfits you never ever wear on a daily basis, and somehow you're going to, for the first time ever, pack and wear these clothes that you never wear, right? And they have, the, they have that stupid weight limit thing, don't they? You got to go and take your luggage and you've got your bathroom scale. I don't have the fancy travel scale. So I have to use my bathroom scale and kind of take it off real and see where it's at. You know, there's no luggage bringing to heaven, right? Even the best of what you have to offer God is not good enough. Canaan, leave it back here. Ah, we're going to come. Those of us who are believers in Christ, we're coming. (laughs) And everything that we have to bring has been provided by God. Think about that. Pharaoh is kind and generous to the brothers and the family because of what Jesus or Joseph has done. And God is a, is a picture of God's provision for us because of Christ. That's why we get to worship Him. That's why, you know, when we receive some crowns or some gifts, it's like, no, Lord, this is yours. You deserve this. We don't, we can't, we can't, how can we, we're not worthy are you, O oh God to receive this honor and glory. That's what worship is. That's a re- response to the goodness of Christ and to His good work. So not only does He give a place to live, but secondly, look at verse 21. He gives provisions for the journey. Verse 21. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. 
And to each he gave them changes of garments. And then look at verse 23. He sends them to the Father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his Father on the journey. He not only gives them a place to live, but he gives them provisions for the journey. By the way, there, this anticipates later on, 400 and some years later, a different pharaoh will also send them away with provisions for their journey. But this is a different case. This pharaoh is, is not anti-Israel. Everything that they would need for their journey has been provided. Everything has been given to them once they arrive and how they get there. This, of course, pictures the provisions of Jesus Christ By the way, spiritually speaking, we live in the land of Canaan. And spiritually speaking, we have a journey that we're making to a place that He's made for us. Amen? Jesus Christ has given us heavenly gifts. The earthly provisions of Canaan cannot measure up to the heavenly gifts. He has provided for us spiritually for our journey. What has God, what is Christ, look, 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 first of all, by the way, you look at verse 23. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance. It's enough for the whole crew to get there. What does Christ provide for us for our journey? Oh my goodness. There's daily bread, amen? We pray our, to our Father, give us this day our daily bread, right? Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven. His words. Sometimes I just want to. I, I, I like some singers that just sing the, the scripture, right? They just sing the word. They, some, some of them sing just the words of Christ. And I just sit there and I just like, no wonder the disciples said, we, Where do we go? You have the words of life, right? The whole world's looking for life, amen? But they're not finding it. Life is not found with deep within, looking at yourself and look at your navel. <laughs> oh, that's depression. That's what, that's what will lead you to depression, you know? Christ, His words have life. They are life. I can't explain how that works, but it somehow it nourishes my soul when I read and I ingest His Scripture, so to speak. Daily provisions. The psalmist says, My cup is overflowing because you are the Good Shepherd, Right? Give us this day our daily bread. I love Jesus. Says, Jesus, I am the door. And if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. That's what heaven's going to be like. Right? He gives us daily provisions of, of grace and mercy. How about you? I need grace every single day. I guess I'm the only one. Okay, so <laughs> I need mercy every day because I can be a turkey. Right? I can be a completely selfish jerk. Right? I can be self-focused and short-tempered. And Lord, I need your mercy and grace every day. And I love what the uh, Lamentation says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great. Every morning. It's like the dew coming out. It's like the manic... Every single morning that's to be gathered. You say, God, I don't deserve that, but you need it for the journey, don't you? 
Why is God so gracious? He lo- He's just a gracious God. I need forgiveness every day. How many of you guys need forgiveness every day? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Right? Give us each this day our daily bread. Next word. And. But that word and is crucial, right? Because if we're depending on give us this day our daily bread, we're also depending on that daily forgiveness. Starting with the clean slate. Right? Daily forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. I learned it with the old, I don't know what, trespass, you know? <laughs> the old, trans, whatever that tries. He gives us daily guidance for the journey. Jesus says, I'm going to send the helper. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm sending the helper, the spirit of truth, who will be with you. He will guide you into all the truth. And guess what? He's still with, he's still with us today. Every day, Lord, I need guidance from you. I need you to lead me. I am dependent on you. Help me to walk by the power of the Spirit. By the way, he gives you provisions for today, for today, not tomorrow for today. Tomorrow comes, then that's a new day, right? Sometimes we all get worried about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And God says, hold on, hold on. Today, I'll give you what you need. And in the moment you need it, I'll give it to you. Yeah, but we want to stock up, don't we? <laughs> we want to be spiritual hoarders, don't we? We want to be spiritual preppers. <laughs> no, it's today. You know, let it be that we don't just come in the church on Sundays and receive. Let it be that every single day we turn to Christ and say, Lord, this is a new day. No one else is around to see me sing or raise my hands or anything else. But I need you today, God. I need nourishment for my journey. Every day is an opportunity to fellowship with our God. Think about that. The scripture says that through him we have our access to in one spirit to the Father. It means every single day as a believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you have access to the Father. It means every single day you have an opportunity to fellowship and pour out your supplications and pray and receive and, and go to your Father every single day. That is provisions for my journey, isn't it? Christ has provided, and I can go on. I mean, there's all kinds, right? All kinds of daily peace. We live in the world that's, that's, that's suffering, isn't it, right? We live in the world that's, that's looking for peace. You turn on the news, and there's all kinds of violence and, and stuff, and who has peace? Jesus Christ has peace, doesn't he? And as believers in Christ, he has given us his peace. And we look at the world and say, oh my goodness, what's going on? But remember, child, Jesus Christ is in full control over what's happening. All right? What we see in the world is temporary. And it doesn't mean that we're to be disconnected. It means that we have something that the world is longing for. You don't realize what we have in Christ. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, or Muslim or Palestinian, they all need Christ. And we have Jesus Christ. Who is with me today? Jesus is with us. Look what else he says. Look what else. It says, not only for the journey do they have provisions, but look at verse 22. He gives them changes of garments. What's that all about? Uh, you ever think that's weird? I'm like, changes of garments. New clothes? 
A couple of things are going on here. First of all, clothing has been significant in the story of Joseph. Joseph was given a, this wonderful this multicolored tunic that goes to the sleeves and has set him apart as somebody special. And his brother stripped him of that, right? And then he goes to Egypt and Potiphar's wife strips him of his garment, right? And then he has slave clothes on. And then he has prime minister clothes on, right? <laughs> but Jacob also, when he hears the news of Joseph being killed in his understanding... He tears his clothes out of mourning. So in one sense, clothes, the garments are representing all the bad things that have happened. And the mourning as well. And so now you have this, this restoration, so to speak. And in one sense, there's this changes of garments. In one sense, I'm giving you new clothes. Why? Because your clothes of Canaan aren't going to do. You're going to need new clothes to live in the land of Egypt and the land of Goshen. You know, Jesus Christ has clothed the believer with his righteousness. Amen? You ever notice in Revelation 3 it says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. Or Galatians 3 says that we, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. We have new garments. Think about that. We're clothed with his righteousness. But I think in one sense, later on, I think this is, I'm just going to interpret this, is that in one sense, God is speaking to Jacob. He's going to say, and Jacob doesn't realize this, that I'm going to change your clothes of mourning and put on clothes of gladness. Now, Jacob, your time of mourning is over. <laughs> and now it's time of rejoicing. And Jacob doesn't realize that yet. Well, we're, we're getting a little sneak peek about that. But God has given us a place. He's given us provisions for the journey. But look also at verse 24. Something we have to be careful about when we're journeying, the problems that can happen. Look at verse 24. He sends his brothers away and they depart. And he says to them, don't be stirred up on the journey or don't argue on the journey. Now, why is he saying this? Because you know something, one sense in the context is those brothers are going to blame somebody, one another. See, I told you not to do this. Didn't I tell you, you know, we, we could have said 20 years of, of nonsense if you had to listen to me. Simeon, just shut your big mouth. Judah, would you just, hey, you know what you did? You something on the journey of, of life, we can get into all these little scrabbles, right? We can argue with one another, can't we, as Christians, right? I don't know about you, it's like the Lord is saying, hey guys, don't argue. And that's something I see Christians arguing with one another all the time. I'm turned off by it. How is that? Jesus says, you know what the, Lord's, the, the world is going to know you're my disciples if you have what? Love for one Yeah, but love is so wishy-washy. No, it's not. It takes the grace of God to love <laughs> somebody that's, that you disagree with, right? Did we forget that? I, I think in one sense, you know, I, I just, can we love one another? Yeah, we can, hey... We can disagree on minor doctrinal you know, situations and things. I get that, but, but, but still, come on. I don't know if I'm speaking. No one, we love one another, our church, right? <laughs> we, not, we don't squabble or quarrel on the way. But I think that's an encouragement from the Lord and, and, and uh, exhortation. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then in Colossians 3.13, he says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you should also. Now, that was a little sidetrack on the journey here. But now let's go to the third point. And this is the presentation of the good news. Look at verse 24, the presentation of the good news. Verse 25, rather. Then they went, and this is the, this is like the, <laughs> this is Ross leading, right? Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, saying, Joseph is alive. And indeed, he is ruler, ruler over all the land of Egypt. But his heart was stunned, or some translation says numb, for he did not believe them. Notice Jacob's reaction to the good news. He is he's stunned. The word there in Hebrew is pug. It looks like pug, P-U-G. It means to be cold and numb. He's in shock, right? He's in shock. Why? Let's, let's, let's. Jacob hasn't been privy to all the conversations that have happened between the brothers and Joseph, right? Or the conversations among the brothers. From Jacob's perspective, all he's known is, I sent Joseph out to check on the brothers. They came back, and his clothes were full of blood. He must be dead. He spent 22 years with that understanding. They come back from visiting Egypt, the sons, the first time, and said, um, the man was harsh to us, and he wants us to bring back Benjamin. And Jacob is like, where's Simeon? Oh, he has him. Oh, so he, you go out and I lose one son, Simeon. Now you want to take Benjamin from me. I've already asked Joseph. Simeon is no more. And then you want to take Benjamin? Benjamin is my... my the, he and Joseph were full brothers. Rachel was my love. Rachel was my love and she died giving birth to Benjamin. I am not letting Benjamin go. I don't trust you guys. He's grieving, he's hurt, and he doesn't trust his sons. And now the sons come back this next time. He's not there when Judah steps up to Joseph and says, hey, listen, I know you want to take my brother Benjamin. Take me instead, because if Benjamin doesn't come back, my dad's going to die. It's going to break this heart. I became a guarantee for my brother. See, Jacob wasn't part of that conversation. He wasn't there when the, jo- the son said, uh, we're guilty concerning our brother Joseph. We're gu- God is punishing us. And then when Joseph finally reveals, he has no idea what has been said back in Egypt. He has no idea that now they're celebrating, right? He has no idea that Pharaoh said, come, come live here. I'm giving you a place and giving you provisions. He has no idea. From his perspective, it's all been bad, 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 bad his whole life, right? How is it sometimes that it's easier to bring to believe bad news more than good news? We're so easily to want to believe the bad news, but somebody gives us good news? Yeah, I doubt that. Right? I mean, do you blame Jacob here? I don't. He is in shock, he's in numb, and he's not believing. This is totally unexpected. This is not what Jacob is not expecting to hear this. All he's expecting is for his sons to come back with some grain and he can live his life happily ever after, but not really happy. For 22 years he has lived with the belief that Joseph was dead. He has mourned, he has accepted the fact that he won't see his son Joseph on this side of heaven. He's never been the same man. And no wonder, he says, 
it says he didn't believe him. Jacob had believed a lie most of his life. His life was full of bad news. Look, I want you to look at chapter 47. Skip ahead. Watch this. Look at this. Look at 47, verse 9. He's going to finally meet Pharaoh. We'll get to this in the next couple of weeks, but just, just a sneak peek in this, right? Pharaoh says, chapter 47, verse 9, he says, first of all, in verse 8, um, how old are you? <laughs> verse 9, do you look what Jacob says. The, years, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 Few and evil, or another translation, or few and, and difficult, or evil have been my days. In other words, I have lived 130 years. Hey, that's not literally long, because my ancestors lived longer, but my days have been full of bad news all my life. Jacob has ha- had to live with trials throughout his life. He had to, to flee from his brother Esau, right? And then he had to put up with the trickery of his uncle Laban, who said, hey, you got to marry Sister Leah, before you marry the one you love, Rachel, he's always been on the run, and he's wrestling with God. He's got trials, and then his, his lovely wife dies. Giving He's had to go through tra- tra- tragedy and, and, and trials and, and all kinds of... And then Joseph. And so his whole life is no wonder when you come to him and says, Joseph is alive? Yeah, right. But some people are like that. They're just... They just believe the bad news all the time. And good news? Yeah, it's not for me. It's too good to be true. You remember the, the guys, the disciples, they tell Nathaniel, hey, we found Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth. Nathaniel says, how can anything good come to Nazareth, right? I doubt that. It's all that Jacob has ever known. He's like, I've been fooled before by you guys. I'm not going to believe you. And some of us have been like that. We've lived so much of our life under hardship. We've believed a certain lie for so many years that we, we think it's the truth, that when somebody tells us the truth, that we think it's weird and meant for somebody else. Now, I'm preaching to myself here, I'll be honest. This is my struggle right here. Because sometimes I read in God's Word the truth that's, that, will, that will bring peace and healing and wholeness and I think initially oh that's for somebody else I don't deserve that have you guys ever struggled with that I I don't want to be that way my default setting is kind of Eeyore (laughs) Eeyore and rabbit (laughs) I don't want to be Eeyore you know I have a hard time sometimes I have a hard time receiving good news it's and I've just root my, my, my page of my Bible out. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, it's still God's Word. It isn't, it's still good news right here. I, I don't know about you, but I think it's time, maybe by faith, because sometimes we think it's for somebody else, or we think it's too good to be true, or we think... It's impossible. Maybe it's time by faith to say, you know, I'm going to believe that even though I feel so opposite. Right? When Jesus says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Is that good news? Is that good news for anybody in here? Are you in bondage? And you're trying with all your might to be free and Jesus says, I freed you. You are not a slave any longer. You're free. 
I don't know. I, I, you know so, Jake, so Jacob is having a hard time that, doing that, right? But look what happens. Because at some point, there has to be some convincing, right? And some people have the problem of being maybe skeptical and indifferent or unaware of the good news. But now look what it says. In verse 27, they don't, they're not phased. Because this good news is too good, too high. Look, yet they told him all the words of Joseph, verse 27. Joseph had spoken to him, verse 10, and verse, verse 10, he says, hey, you're going to live in a land of Goshen, you and your children, your children's children, and all your herds and flocks. In verse 13, tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, all that you have seen. By the way, when they told him, I wonder if Jacob was thinking of the dreams that Joseph first had, because initially Jacob's like, are we... We're going to bow down to you, me and your mother and your brothers. But then the scripture says that he kept these things in his heart. I wonder if that brought up, right? That God was finally bringing that to pass. They told him all the words, verse 27, that he had spoken to them. And he saw the wagons, all the supplies for the journey that Joseph sent. And then he's finally convinced. What is it that convinces people of Christ? It's his words and what he's given. Amen. It's the words of, you don't have to convince people. It's the words of Christ. It's Jesus Christ who doesn't convince you. He has the proof. The tomb is empty. He's born on the cross. He's given of his spirit to us. And so many people are wrestling against that and say, God, God it's not for me. It's some, I'm, too, I'm, I'm unlovable. I'm, I'm unsavable. And Jesus says, <laughs> no, I loved you too. And by faith, see, you and, you, you and I may be living in, in a state of sorrow and mourning so much of our life until we receive and say, that's good news. We won't experience the reviving that happens in Jacob. It says in verse 27, when he finally is convinced, it says, then the spirit of their father Jacob revived. That the spirit of their father Jacob revived. That Hebrew word is hayah. It means to, it, it means to live. It means to recover. It means to restore to life. It means that there's a sickness that has infected him for so many years, and now he's finally gotten well. And spiritually, something has happened to Jacob. He has seen the good news. He's heard the good news, and now he's received it. And now his spirit is joyful. This is good news that can revive a broken heart, a sorrowful heart. Jesus Christ is the good news that restores an, a weary soul, the wounded soul, the wandering soul, the doubtful soul, the worried soul, the mournful soul. Before, Jacob walked with the limp because he wrestled with the angel, but now I think he's walking limp a little bit, a little skipping a step, right? He says, It's enough. I'm satisfied. Joseph is alive. Can you hear that? Can you hear the joy? Can you hear the, the... Something's been restored in the man, right? He's been walking less than himself for all these years. He's not the, the Israel that we once knew. He's been Jacob, who's been defeated. God is able to restore that to you. Amen? Am I preaching to anyone here? Are we bored? I hope we're not bored. Because we have good news. That's, you know something? Sometimes, you know, you see churches where they dance around. God bless him. You know why? Because we're going to do that when we get to heaven. I don't know about you. We're going to be dancing around and celebrating. We're not going to be like this, like, oh, Jesus loves you. We're going to be like ecstatic as if our team won the World Series. By the way, pray for the Diamondbacks. 
It's going to be tough. You know, the Phillies are tough, you know. But you remember, you remember those of us who were around 2001 when the D-backs won the World Series, right? My daughter was being dedicated. She was a little baby. And we rushed home. (laughs) And when they won, what did we do? We danced around like crazy. Like we won it, right? Or when Larry Fitzgerald caught that pass too early in the last two minutes of the game and Pittsburgh stole that. They stole it from us, right? That whole game. But you know something? We celebrate those things. But why not celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ? Why walk around as if he is, he's dead and buried? As if we have no... Yes, I understand. Listen, it doesn't mean we're supposed to be weird and, and stuff, but come on, we have the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? I don't blame Jacob. And Jacob's like, it's enough. I'm satisfied. Joseph is alive. I'm going to go and see him before... I, by the way, he doesn't realize he could live another... He's going to live another 17 years. It's not going to be like... Joseph's alive, I'm going to see him, and I'm going to die. No, Jacob. <laughs> God's got more plans for you, Joe, or Jake. God is able to revive the believer with his word, just as Jacob was revived with the words of Joseph. God is able to restore joy to the brokenhearted believer, just as Jacob's joy is restored. The scripture says, you have turned, Psalm 30, 11, you have turned my for me, my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth. That's, that's, that's clothing you wear when you are, you are mourning. You have reloosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. God is able to lift up the sorrowful with good news. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's good news from Christ. Christ and Jesus Christ is able to revive the brokenhearted. And Jacob is being revived here. He comforts us with this good news. And I don't know about you, but Jacob is now... I, can you imagine that journey? Can you imagine he's now he's going on his way to Jacob. He's going he's gonna to ride or walk or uh, all those miles with 66 of us, and they're going to enter into a new life. And a week before that, none of this would have entered his possibility. But because Joseph was alive, he's celebrating. And because Jesus is alive... On our journey, yes, we're going to go through the, the difficulties of the journey, but He's given us what we needed. We have the joy of the Lord that He has conquered sin, hell, and the grave. Amen? And that He has prepared a place for us. And if you would just hear that good news and receive it, you come along with their journey as well. Amen? Right. Now, by the way, we're on the journey now. Let us not quarrel with one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Be patient with one another, right? And one day, just as Jacob is going to see his son face to face, I don't know about you, but when that day comes on me, Jesus, face to face, I don't know, if I'm going to get, I'm, if it's going to be tears of joy, tears of grief, tears of whatever. I'm finally home. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless the Lord. That's going to be us. Let me ask you a question. Those here or those watching online, are you, is that you? If you're a believer in Christ, that's your future. That's, your, that's what God is doing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things going on in life, but daily walk with Christ. Look to Him. Because in all eternity, a thousand years, ten thousand years from now, where would Jesus? 
The trials, the trial, the difficulties of his life will be a, a distant memory, never to be remembered <laughs> anymore, right? I don't know about you. I wish I can press the fast forward button to get there. Don't you? Yeah. But until that, Christ is walking with us along on the journey. He's given us what we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we rejoice in you, Lord. God, your word gives us life. It says your word revives. Your word revives us. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. His, the gospel is very relevant, Lord, to a lost and dying world. Uh, this world is, is full of trouble, Lord, and difficulty, and people are looking for peace. And Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, you invite and you call everyone, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Lord, I pray that for the person who may be watching online who has a weary and wounded soul, come, come to Christ. He will receive you. He will bring you to heaven. He will supply for you provisions for the journey. Those of us, Lord, who are believers, I pray for those of us, maybe we're getting distracted and maybe we're having a difficult time of it, Lord. Would you please provide grace, grace each moment of the day that we need. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Bless the Lord. Will we stand up? God is good. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was at my house yesterday. I was thinking. I was in, It was quiet, you know. The game was over. It was quiet. And I was thinking, Lord, why don't we just take advantage of right now just to say, just to give you praise, you know. And, uh, and, and pray for the Diamondbacks, too, after that. But... Anyway, I, God is good. Amen. Well, Moses tells Aaron to bless his people with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That means smile. And may the Lord give you his peace. It's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. God bless you. See you guys, Lord willing, on Thursday. Let us know so we can have enough food to order for, for Moses and them. And uh, by the way, real fast.